turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, France Authority, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 20th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day, down in Alabama, with its vicious racist, with its governor, having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in 
Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. And every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day with all of God's children. Be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring and when it happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty. It got cut off at the end, obviously, but that will not deter uh, us from once again being moved by the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Good morning. Uh, I play that today almost because it's obligatory, because it's Martin Luther King Day. It's a federal holiday. It's a day that we celebrate the efforts and the life of a, of a civil rights pioneer, of a civil rights leader, somebody who, when he made that speech in August of 1963, wasn't certain that we would have what we had in 1964. The passage of a Civil Rights Act that declared all of the dreams that he was talking about to be true, to be truthful, to be made whole, to be uh, advanced in every corner of this country. 
the dream that Martin Luther King shared that day, and by the way, obviously we know Martin Luther King was did a lot more, Dr. King did a lot more than just that one speech, but it is, of course, going to, it, it will forever be remembered, literally, for all eternity, as long as there is a United States as the most um, resounding and inspirational and aspirational, big difference, words that he ever spoke. But uh, the words that he spoke that day about that dream would come to fruition. And on this Martin Luther King Day celebration in the year 2020, there's two things that I would like to, to point out about that speech. Probably unbeknownst to Dr. King, that all of these years later, that the goal and the dream that he had of people being judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin, the goal and the dream that he had of the sons of slaves and the sons of slave owners, or in this age, the great-great-great-great-grandsons of all, would sit down together at the table of brotherhood in equality, that those things would be facing obstacles, obstacles from some of those who claim to be trying to advance Martin Luther King's dream. I'm talking about the Democrat Party in the United States of America today. I'm talking about liberal progressives who would have stood on the mall there in Washington, D.C. for that speech, chanting and cheering for everything that Dr. King spoke about, and then would spend the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 60 years, trying to make sure it didn't happen. Continuing to judge people by their skin color rather than the content of their character. Preventing the sons, grandsons, great-grandsons, and great-great-great-grandsons of slaves and slave owners from sitting down together at a table of brotherhood by continuing to demonize the sons of the slave owners, demanding that reparations be paid for the sins of generations earlier, alleging white privilege, creating a disparate uh, effect on this society and a deleterious effect and impact on African Americans. There are a lot of people who believe, a lot of people who believe, in what Dr. Martin Luther King said in 1963, that color should be erased, color should be invisible, color should play no role, none, in how we evaluate someone and his worthiness, his worthiness for employment, his worthiness for housing, his worthiness for anything, for admission into schools. Color should be erased. Truly just content of character. And those people who think color should be erased in the true definition of Dr. Martin Luther King's dream are today's conservatives, today's Republican Party, People who believe that color does not matter. Exactly what Dr. King expressed in that infamous, not infamous, that famous speech. Color does not matter. The only people who continue to make sure color matters in a negative, in a negative way, in a divisive way, 
are the modern-day liberal progressives who are trying their best to make sure that racial division continues to harm this country. And why, you may ask? Because it is beneficial to them. Because racism and race baiting and racial arson, which is what I liken it to, it's literally starting race fires in the cities and counties of this country is a massive for-profit enterprise. And it keeps the liberal progressive Democrats who are in the uh, control of certain areas of our government, it keeps them on top because they continue to make African Americans, black America, believe that they are their salvation when all they are doing by continuing to throw them scraps is keeping them subservient, keeping them on the mental plantation that hundreds of thousands of, 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 of freedom fighters died to get rid of in the Civil War. Hundreds of thousands of white Americans fighting to stop slavery in the United States. Millions throughout the decades have fought so hard to not only erase slavery, but then to erase Jim Crow, to erase the unfair discriminatory laws that used to govern this land. Modern-day conservatives and Republicans want to give everybody... I won't even say give African Americans, that's recognizing race as the first component of a person, rather than the content of their character. They want to give everybody equal opportunities to learn, and then earn, to survive, and then thrive. It is liberal Democrat politicians who want to keep, particularly minorities, beholden to the government for their next meal, Beholden to the government for their housing. Beholden to the government for their very survival. Scrap after scrap after scrap after scrap. Just give me a little bit, give me a little bit, give me a little bit, give me a little bit. Who's giving you all that, by the way? Democrats? Who are you going to vote for? Democrats? It's been the same vicious cycle for decades. Since Dr. King's speech, since the Civil Rights Act was passed, It's the same cycle. So as we celebrate Martin Luther King Day today, rightfully a federal holiday, and we listen to his words again, I want you to think about what they mean in modern-day America, what they mean in January of 2020. Who is actually pursuing the dream that Dr. King died before he got to see come to fruition? Who is pursuing the elimination of color as a barrier in the United States? Who is pursuing the elimination of color as the judgment by which a man's measure is made? And who is actually pursuing the continued division of the races in this country? I hope you'll consider that, and I hope you'll act every day. And in particular, in this year of 2020, this election year, I hope you will vote And I hope you will serve, and I hope you will act as somebody who is truly trying to achieve Dr. King's dream. And if you do, 
you will not be supporting the same Democrats that hold that dream back. Much more to come. It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. Stand up for right. Get up, stand up. Thanks for joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. So I started the show today again with the almost obligatory uh, rendition or playing of Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, but uh, I wanted to make sure you understood why I was playing it. The first segment was about that. The second segment is going to be part two of that in a very different way. When he said multiple times uh, in that um, eternal speech, that inspirational, aspirational speech, uh, at the National Mall in Washington, D.C., in the shadow of the great emancipator staring at the Washington Monument. He talked about freedom. He talked about liberty for everybody. And that's my transition into what is going on today in Richmond, Virginia. There's a fight for freedom going on today in Richmond, Virginia. And it's a fight that I will tell you right now, you better stop and you better pray does not become a fight, an actual fight, because there is a fight over the Second Amendment, which is under extreme assault and extreme attack by Governor Ralph Northam, the governor of Virginia, the one who wants to kill babies after they're born, literally aborting them outside the womb. Governor Ralph Northam, whose priorities are so screwed up, he can't remember if he posed as the Klansman or the black-faced person in the picture in his uh, in his uh, medical school yearbook, Ralph Northam and his newly elected leadership, Democrat leadership in the state house in Virginia, they're trying to literally get rid of all guns in the state of Virginia, and there is going to be a fight today. Now, it is my most sincere hope that the fight that happens today in, in Richmond, Virginia, is one that is limited to words only. A verbal fight, a debate, if you will. But there is great concern, great concern, that there is going to be some sort of violent clash uh, in in uh, Virginia today. And there is great concern that the blame for that is going to be put on those who are pursuing, once again, going back to Dr. King's speech, freedom, liberty. The rights granted us, the freedom to arm ourselves in self-defense and the defense of our nation by the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States of America. There are people there fighting for freedom, and they would absolutely prefer that fight to be peaceful and verbal only. They want to show numbers. They want to show that, that we are here and we are not about to have our constitutionally protected freedoms taken away from us. That's what they're there for. But you know as well as I do that this has some of the early warning signs of the showdown from Charlottesville two years ago. Because Antifa and other far-left groups, perhaps some of the very same groups that I was discussing in the opening segment, who do not believe in Dr. Martin Luther King's dream, 
but black separatist groups or black empowerment groups who see white people as the enemy, the white privileged as the enemy, perhaps using MLK Day to put themselves into the mix, into this fight uh, over gun rights in the state of Virginia and largely in the United States of America. We could have racial connotations. We will certainly have political battles and ideologies. There will be phonies, fakes, frauds, people on the left showing up there who are anti-gun rights advocates, but who will pose as gun rights supporters wearing Confederate flags or swastikas or these kinds of things to try to make it look as though those who support gun rights, those that support the Second Amendment, are a bunch of of, of white nationalist, hillbilly, uh, fascist, Hitler lovers. That's how they're going to portray this. It's going to be a big mess. And the question is, is can the peace be kept? Will the peace be kept? Will law enforcement be able to keep the two uh, rival, rival groups apart? The pro-gun rights, the pro-Second Amendment people who are going to march and, and, and support the Second Amendment today, and then the counter-protesters who will be bust in to cause problems for them. Will freedom ring, as Dr. King talked about? Will freedom ring? Will the Constitution, which is the most glorious and important document, testament to liberty and freedom in the history of writing, in the history of man, will that Constitution be honored? Or will it be shredded by the government of Virginia? And will blood be shed in the battle over it? We'll talk more about that on the other side of the news. Jim Jordan will join us at 948. We're going to talk about the impeachment scenario. We'll talk about gun rights in Virginia today and more as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thirty-five onward we roll. Thanks for joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Congressman Jim Jordan, is not repeat not a part of the president's defense team when the impeachment trial begins. The president uh, has a team of lawyers, uh, which is pretty much among the very best of the best, particularly as it pertains to knowledge of the impeachment process. The president added. Uh, Ken Starr, as you know, uh, late last week to the team. Ken Starr, of course, was uh, uh, the special investigator, special prosecutor of Bill Clinton in the 1998 impeachment uh, story. And uh, he's got a he's got a bunch of great lawyers. Jay Sekulow, of course, whom we hear every day here on Jay Sekulow Live. Uh, he's got um, uh, Ronald Ray. He's got obviously uh, in a big big part of the part of the story a, a, a shocking turn perhaps for some in the story he's got one of the most well-known constitutional law professors and famed attorneys in the world and alan dershowitz a noted liberal who voted for hillary clinton on president trump's team florida attorney general pam bondi so uh, those are just a few of the names cipollone uh but uh, jim jordan's not on the team despite his offer he uh said in a number of interviews that if the president uh came uh, asking for his assistance in the defense uh in the uh, trial in the senate that he would give it but he was not asked so we're going to talk to him about where he thinks this is going to go the battle over witnesses and more we're also going to ask him about 
the uh, gun rights situation in uh, Virginia. Just as a quick follow-up to that, uh, just a, a Fox News report of, about what's going on there today and, and what the battle is likely to be about. Year. It's just particularly very big because of the gun rights. Now, this is the Virginia uh, Citizens Defense League. They come out every year to push for Second Amendment rights. But this year, they are really worried that Governor Ralph Northam is going to put measures through that threaten their rights. Governor Northam declared a state of emergency after receiving what he called credible threats. There were, of course, the arrest of at least three individuals planning to come out here who are associated with white supremacist groups that possibly has brought this security that we we have here there's no guns allowed on capital grounds you cannot carry a weapon virginia of course is uh, instituting the most harsh gun laws uh, in america uh, this is what they're proposing to do anyway now that they have control of the legislature in the state of in the commonwealth of virginia uh, they very well will be doing this, and that's what the, today's fight is all about more than anything else. Uh, it is about a limitation of one gun purchase per month. It is about limitations about what kinds of guns you can purchase, uh, all kinds of things. And as part of it, as you heard, they banned guns from a gun rights rally today. So in Richmond, nobody is allowed to carry guns, even if they have legally... Uh, uh, obtained weapons. They have concealed carry permits. They are not allowed to carry these weapons onto the grounds, which is just a recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned because when the attacks begin from the notable weapon-carrying Antifa uh, crowds, the kind that we saw in Charlottesville and the kind that we saw in Portland, the kind that we saw in Seattle, the kind that we see everywhere. Uh, there are uh, uh, civil rights battles. In this uh, civil rights, I shouldn't say civil rights, I guess, but constitutional rights. Whenever we see these things, Antifa is there ready to create violent confrontation. And uh, Lord only knows how bad that is going to get. So, um, that fight is being is being uh, going to be held today, and again, I say the word fight, hoping that it means verbal, that it is simply a debate. It's a contrast of ideas. If they want to chant at one another or in one another's general direction, that's one thing. Let's just hope that it doesn't become an actual physical confrontation. But here's the problem. Here's and this is the fear that many people have. We're going to talk to Tom Zawistowski coming up at the uh, top of the uh, hour at ten ten, and he'll give us more on this. But there is a very sincere concern, and I think a very valid one, that a confrontation between the two pro-2A and anti-gun uh, organizations or groups or whatever is almost inevitable. And it may be inevitable because uh, this is exactly what the state of Virginia wants, the, at least the leadership of Virginia wants. Will police be given the authority? Will law enforcement be given the authority to do what is necessary to keep the two groups apart? Or are they going to be ordered to do something very, very different? Tom Z is going to talk to us about an article um, by Matt Bracken written earlier this month for the, uh, 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 well, it was posted on the We the People Convention website. And the concern is that there are going to be busloads of people from outside of Virginia descending upon Richmond. And there are going to be busloads of pro-Second Amendment people and busloads of anti-Second Amendment people, and they are going to be herded together right off of the bus in the same general area that they're going to march the pro-Second Amendment supporters, the way the uh, article reads, um, right down uh, right down Antifa Alley. 
that the pro-Second Amendment people, and they are probably going to be infiltrated, as pointed out before, by people pre- pretending to be fascists, pretending to be Nazis or white supremacists or Klan or whatever the case may be, and it's going to lead to a riot. And law enforcement may be powerless to stop it or may be ordered not to stop it because the best-case scenario to make gun rights advocates look like violent gun nuts is to have violence and perhaps even serious injuries or worse happen at this event. Will law enforcement be allowed to keep them apart, or will they be under orders to essentially stand down and let the brawl happen so that the narrative, which, by the way, the Charlottesville event, I mean, the lies are still being told two years later. The lies are still being told about what happened at Charlottesville, the death of a, of a, a counter-protester there over the battle of, over statues in Charlottesville. Um, those lies are still being told. Joe Biden, as recently as, what, two, three weeks ago, ran an ad accusing Donald Trump of claiming that there, are, there were very fine people in the white nationalist neo-Nazi KKK faction of that Charlottesville confrontation. Those lies are still going. And the death of a, of a, of one of the counter protesters, Heather Heyer in the, uh, you know, as the idiot got into his car and rammed into a crowd of people is being used as a political tool to say that this is what's going to happen in, uh, in, in Richmond. That white nationalist, uh, Nazi lovers, etc., are going to be violent and harm people again. This is the story that they want to tell. This is the narrative. This is the uh, face that they want to put on the pro-Second Amendment movement. It's false. It's phony. It probably will be staged. And no matter what, and quoting from the article by Matt Bracken, no matter what the VCDL, that's the Virginia Citizens Defense League, Intends the fringe element will become the national media image of the entire event. If there are actual white nationalists or Confederate flag wearers who are pro Second Amendment, their Second Amendment support, which is sim- simply constitutional, will be completely wiped out and masked by their Confederate flags. They will be seen as redneck, hilljack, uh, you know, uh, uh, white supremacists or white nationalists or racists or whatever, rather than what they're there for, which is to promote uh, the constitutionally protected Second Amendment to carry weapons and to own weapons. And then again, there are going to be phony neo-Nazis and others who are there to make everybody who is pro-Second Amendment look bad. Like it or not, Camo-clad yahoos waving Confederate stars and bars and even Nazi flags will become the national image of the Second Amendment movement. The yellow Gadsden don't tread on me flag will forever be associated with the Confederate and Nazi flags in a best-case scenario. That, again, according to Matt Bracken, all eyes will be on Richmond today. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. I'm going to ask uh, Congressman Jordan his thoughts on uh, what's going on in Richmond today and the rights to uh, uh, keep and bear arms. But we are certainly going to talk to him in just a few moments about the impeachment trial, which is about to, which is about to get underway. And the question, of course, becomes, will witnesses be allowed to testify when they start tomorrow? Or will this be a quick uh, verdict? When I say quick, by the way, it's relative. It's relative, because they get up to 12 hours for an opening presentation of articles of impeachment due to the House managers, which will take a couple of days. Then there is an equal amount of time for the president's defense team, and then 
Will it be a quick verdict uh, and a move for a quick dismissal of this nonsense by Mitch McConnell? We'll talk to uh, Jim Jordan about that as we continue next on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine forty nine now, as promised. Let's uh, welcome Congressman Jim Jordan back to our program. Congressman Jordan, of course, represents Ohio's fourth congressional district. Good morning, Congressman. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Bob. Good to be with you. I'm sad to have missed your visit to Lorain County last Friday. This past Friday, uh, we stopped in at Gibson. I that know you crazy. did. That's why I'm sad. I know I got a picture. I had my hat on and everything. Gibson's hat since like eight, what is eighteen eighty five? I think is the, the yeah yeah. yeah. We, we should have had you there for the picture, man. That well, I don't care a, about the picture. It would have been nice. Yeah, first of all, it would have been nice to catch up with you. But second of all, it would have been nice just to get something from the bakery at Gibson's. They're amazing. That food yeah. is incredible. Yeah, they're great there. people. No doubt about great it. Family. All right. Congressman, uh, let's let's dive into this. I want to talk about two big things. Uh, the first and foremost, of course, is the impeachment trial, which is going to begin this yeah. week now. Uh, I know you had offered your services or suggested in some TV interviews that if the president called on you, you would be happy to serve. It looks like he's got a pretty healthy-looking uh, defense team oh, yeah. put together. Um, tell me tell me what you think the strategy, and, and, and what do you think, by the way, of the, the fact that a, a noted liberal constitutional law professor who voted for Hillary Clinton, who is not a fan of Donald Trump, Somebody like Alan Dershowitz is taking yeah. the, pres- uh, the spot on the president's team here. Well, that just that just shows you that that uh, when you have a liberal like Mr. Dershowitz uh, take that position, it just shows you how how strongly the facts are in favor of the president. And th- 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 these are great guys, a great team they put together. Um, and I think the focus is going to be r- real simple: the facts are on the president's side. And, you know, we've talked about it numerous times, but you know, you got the call transcript, which which frankly the Democrats never thought the president would release. But the, tra- the call transcript shows no quid pro quo. The two individuals on the call, President Trump and President Zelensky, have repeatedly, repeatedly said there was no pressure, no pushing, no linkage of any type of investigation to release of the security assistance money. Uh, the Ukrainians did know that the aid was held at the time of the call. Most importantly, when they did learn that the aid was on hold, they took no action to get the aid released. Um, so those facts are, are just fundamental. I think they will highlight those as well as highlight the unfair process that took place uh, in the House of Representatives when Adam Schiff ran the investigation. The process they want to focus on, though, is the Senate process. And, in fact, here's what Jerry Nadler says about that. You know, the question of witnesses uh, in any trial, in any trial, all relevant witnesses uh, must be heard. Whether If if you're accused of robbing a bank, uh, testimony that I saw him rob the bank or he was somewhere else, he couldn't have robbed the bank, is admissible. It's not negotiable whether you have witnesses. And this whole controversy about whether there should be witnesses is, ju- is really a question of does the Senate want to have a fair trial or, do they, or are they part of the cover-up of the president? That's the talking point of the left, Congressman, is if uh, the, the Republican senators do not want witnesses, it's because they want to be part of a cover-up. And how do you respond? They should have called the witnesses in the House if they really wanted them. They should have pushed for it. They should have, and if there was a dispute, the place to settle the third branch of our government and the judiciary, uh, go to court and figure out, okay, is this witness going to come or not? They weren't willing to do that because they were in this, this rush to, to get this over to the Senate and move ahead before, before the Christmas holiday. So, uh, that's the first thing I would say. Second is, if you got a strong case, why did you, why did you, uh, deny due process rights to the White House during 
the House uh, part of this investigation. If you have a strong case, why did you say to the minority, to the Republicans, oh, you can't subpoena witnesses, you're not allowed to call any of your witnesses? We wanted to call uh, the whistleblower, we wanted to call Hunter Biden, we had other witnesses we wanted to call. No, 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 we were denied all that. So I always come back to, if you've got a good case, if you have the facts on your side, you're not afraid of a fair process. But because their case is so weak, because the facts are on the president's side, they had to rig the process in the way that they did in the House. And now they're complaining, oh, somehow the Senate's doing something wrong? That's laughable. Congressman, um, Senator Lindsey Graham says if we call one witness, we call all the witnesses. And, and certainly it's going to be, it's going to be quid pro quo, if you will, to kind of throw that in there. It's going to be you get one, we get <laughs> one. You get one, we get one. So it's kind of interesting. And Senator Ted Cruz says that's true. And if that does come to pass, this thing could take six to eight weeks. Um, is that what yeah. the Democrats want? Do they want to drag this thing out that long just to continue to stay in the I, president? I, I, I don't know. Uh, what I do know that is that it's never going to end. I mean, I've done not this trial, but the attack on the president's never going to end. And we need to remember impeachment didn't start with Ukraine. It didn't start on July 25th. Impeachment started before the president was even elected. It started on July 31st, 2016, when the FBI opened an investigation in this so-called Trump-Russia collusion, and they went to a secret court, got a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. That's when this started, and we know it's never going to stop because Congressman Al Green said the day that we started the markup in the Judiciary Committee last week, or excuse me, last month, when, the, when we were, when we were going to start the markup on the actual articles, that very day, Al Green said, if the Senate doesn't acquit, or if the Senate doesn't convict, excuse me, it will not end. So they're going to stay after this president no matter what. They started before he was even elected. That's what this is really about. If, it, if they do bring in the witnesses, Lindsey Graham is right. Senator Graham is right. If they're going to, if they're going to get John Bolton, well, by goodness, by golly, we get, uh, we get to call in Hunter Biden or we get to call in the whistleblower. That's, if it's good for the goose, good for the gander. That's the only fair way to do it. If you're going to, if you're going to start down that road, you have to be fair about it. Congressman Jim Jordan is our guest. You mentioned the dishonesty by suggest, uh, you know, that they they um, uh, are 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 expressing here by suggesting this thing is about a Ukrainian phone call. It is started. It was started long before that. You're 100 percent right. To that end, uh, and to further that point, can you give me a reaction to that signing ceremony that they held? Yeah, they yeah. claimed that yeah. this is a somber and solemn event. This is something that nobody wanted to have happen. This is something that nobody comes to Congress hoping to do. So they claimed it was solid, and this is the reason I. I tied it to the dishonesty then they stood there and smiled and held up their nancy pelosi pens and said cheese yeah. look yeah, at us exactly. we're impeaching the president he's impeached forever they're so, they're taking literally a victory lap when the, when defeat is almost all but certain no it, it's it's just sad for the country uh the fact that they have they that you know we we can you can pick your example i used congressman al green but you got congressman uh, from Michigan, Congressman Tlaib, who said the first day of this Congress that they were going to try to impeach the president. You have you had the majority of the judiciary vote to move forward with impeachment prior to the phone call even happening. Some of them moved forward with uh, supporting impeachment uh, before the Mueller report was even finished. So the, they've been out to get this president. And I always remind people, <clears throat> it's not that they just dislike the president. They dislike all of us who support the president. Never right. forget what Peter Strzok said. You know, when Peter Strzok said, you know, I'm, I'm in the Southern Virginia Walmart, I can, I can smell the Trump support. Never forget what that, that professor said, Professor Carlin, in front of the Judiciary Committee last month, a professor from Stanford. Matt, Matt Gates brought up a statement she had made prior to coming to the, to the hearing. And she said, you know, liberals tend to cluster, conservatives spread out because they don't even like being around themselves. 
That's the disdain they have for the 63 million of us who voted for Donald Trump and gave him the Electoral College landslide on November 8, 2016. So it is never going to stop. We just need to understand that, and we just need to be armed with the truth, armed with the facts, and be willing to debate and stand up for what we know is right. So that is what this really boils down to. How long it's going to take in the Senate, who knows. But what I do know is that they're going to come up with something else. They're going to continue to fight because this, it's, and I guess the stain is the best word. It, the yeah. disdain they have for the president and us is just is just there and it's not going to stop. Well, speaking of disdain, let me pivot to what's going on in Richmond today. And uh, starting this morning, as a matter of fact, the uh, liberal Democrat mayor of Virginia and, or excuse me, governor of Virginia, rather, and mm-hmm. the uh, legislature there, they have disdain for the Constitution, the Founding Fathers, those who gave us the Second Amendment right to be- keep and bear arms. Uh, they are cracking down on it in a very, very dangerous way. And today, gun rights advocates are uh, descending upon Richmond to protest. We know they're going to be met with counter-protesters. And fear, the fear, is that there is going to be violent clashes between the two should we be defending our second amendment rights in the streets or should we count on the courts well no we should we should be standing up for our second amendment liberties you know look you're right they have disdain for all kinds of things and certainly there's a disdain for the second amendment uh we see that from the left every single day with these red flag laws with this limiting how much you can you know how many firearms you can purchase within a certain amount of time it's all ridiculous um so yeah, they're, the left's going to come after us. But but it's, look, they're after your First Amendment liberties, or they're after your Fourth Amendment liberties, and obviously um, we know they're after your Second Amendment liberties. So yeah, we need to stand up for our rights. Now we need to do it in a in a peaceful way, and I and I'm confident that the vast 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 majority of Americans who who understand the importance of the Second Amendment are going to do that. Um, so, but we, we we do need to stand up and defend my, our my fear, our, Congressman. Our, our my my fear. My fear about this event is infiltration, that you're going to have anti-gun rights people putting on Confederate flags or swastikas or something no. stupid and going out there and marching with the pro-gun rights uh, crowd and, and making them look like, because that will be the narrative. You know it. We saw it in Char- We see it in, a, in every time they have uh, a dueling protest like this. We see them trying. They did it in Tea Party, for going back as far as t- uh, 2010. They would infiltrate Tea Parties that are totally peaceful, waving Gadsden flags, and they would mix in with them Nazi swastikas flags to make them look like they are the ones uh, who are um, you know fascists etc cetera, etc cetera. and 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 that's what I that's what I'm really concerned about and that's the kind of thing that leads to violence yeah I hope I hope nothing like that happens um, and you know let's just let's just hope it doesn't but I don't think that's going to deter the, the, the law-abiding Americans who understand that the Second Amendment is right next to the first for a reason the founders understood how important that that right that we enjoy in this great country, how important it is. So I think you're going to see Americans do it in the right way. Uh, let's hope there's, there's, there's nothing, uh, nothing that, uh, nothing bad that happens at this, uh, this rally today and that it'll be simply be standing up for our fundamental liberties. We shall all say a little prayer to make that uh, be the case today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much, sir. I know you're going to be watching everything in the Senate very closely and we'll catch up with you again next week. Thanks, Bob. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420. The answer, it's 10 o'clock. We'll get to news now. And on the other side of that, we're going to talk to uh, uh, Tom Z, Tom Zawistowski. Uh, he has got some really important information to share about this rally. He's got some important uh, uh, comments that he wants to make. And if you want to read his work, I'm going to tweet it out here in momentarily. So make sure that you follow me on Twitter at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. I'll give you a look at this before Tom Z joins us next.